The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide with with your friend and mine, uh, the world-renowned uh, author of note, award-winning... I th- yeah, not really. Well, I'm you won a pub quiz one. once, didn't you? I did win a pub quiz. Well, I, I won a meat draw once as well. There you go. Meat draw winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Famous yeah, author. Yeah. Um, so there you go. He 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 has won things. Um, it is none other than Howard Linsky. Hello, Howard. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm, I'm okay. So what we do with the old film guide here is we look at uh, Howard's choice of films on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. Uh, we will also look at uh, a film that Howard has deemed... Oh, hang on, I haven't got my button thingy. Right, go on, you've deemed poised. it. Too good to be forgotten. There you go. Um, that was my fault. Uh, that, that didn't quite work. Not not Howard's, he's a consummate y- pro. You were just trying to catch me out, admitted. No, I suddenly re- realised <coughs> I didn't turn the... Th- anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so we have that. We'll also look at new releases on uh, streaming services. Just want to talk about uh, from Netflix this time around. But first off, let's look at uh, new releases in the cinema. And we've got three to talk about. Uh, so let's start first with Dance First. First with Dance First, indeed. And that is not... A teenage hip-hop movie, as you might imagine. Yeah, you're devastated to learn that. This is like a proper hardcore, serious movie. In fact, when I first saw the thing... When you say it's a hardcore movie, we don't do those sorts of films? Yeah, not not one of those hardcore movies, mate. No, so that's that's the other podcast that we do, isn't it? Uh, (laughs) But this one is purely the cinema, so when I said hardcore, I meant it was a serious subject. Yes, at the cinemas, yeah. Do they even do them in cinemas anymore? Anyway, no, I I digress again. There's probably one or two somewhere. Probably, yes. Anyway, you can give me their addresses later after the podcast. Uh, Back to the movie, it's about Samuel Beckett, so that's pretty... um, you know, intellectually intellectual heavyweight there. Wasn't that the bloke um, out of Quantum Leap? Uh, oh God, I can't remember the name of the character in Quantum Leap. I think it was, was called Sam Beckett. Beckett. Sam Is Beckett, he? yeah. Sam Beckett, that's yeah. funny. Oh gosh, that takes me back uh, uh, to a different era. Anyway, it's got Gabriel Byrne in it. He's usually pretty excellent. Uh, you know, as a, whatever he whatever he does, I find him an interesting actor. Um, his uh, supporting cast includes Aidan Gillen, who you uh, well re- might well remember from Game of Thrones. Um, and uh, Queer as Folk um, going back years and the, the Wire I think as well yeah he, he was in The Wire he's very good in that yeah so he plays James Joyce who so the young Beckett um, has James Joyce as a mentor so this is a, a film documenting the Irish writer's life talks about his childhood um, in his friendship with Joyce um, his relationship with his wife and interesting I didn't know this his time as a fighter for the French resistance during the Second World War and then his post-war literary rise and he I think I don't know if it begins with the Nobel Prize for Literature which he gets in 1969 but it's kind of him looking back on his life uh, and his various kind of things that happened including an affair um, and um, yeah covering his whole life heavyweight biopic stuff so if you like that kind of thing um, I normally do but I must admit I'm a bit baffled by Samuel Beckett Uh, as a writer I find some of his stuff a bit impenetrable but you know yeah yeah, I'm sure it'll still be an interesting Story, all stuff about writers. What you know, they, they're always fascinating, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Are you still in negotiation for the rights to your life story? Oh yeah, it drags on and on. Yeah. yeah, you, yeah. You, if Spielberg, if you're listening, stop phoning Howard. It's you know. it's Cruz. He just won't leave me alone. He wants to play the part, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, that's he's going to call it Top Pen. Oh, very good. 
<laughs> You've been working on that no, for quite a while, have you? I'm not laughing at my own joke. I'm laughing at your reaction to my joke. <laughs> oh, I'm crying. Oh, my goodness. It just came to me. It was an ad lib. Oh, well, well done. Well yeah, done. What you. can I say? Um, anyway, uh, we better move on to the would, next movie, haven't would, we? <laughs> would you not want somebody more of um, stature than Tom Cruise? We're to about the you? same height. I think I'm technically I'm an inch taller than Tom Cruise. So, But if he wears the platform heels, I'll be fine with that. <laughs> if. If. <laughs> if he were. Anyway, uh, Dance First uh, is yeah. out on November the 3rd, as is... Bottoms. Bottoms, yes. Nothing. This looks like a very similar sort of film. <clears throat> um, yeah, very similar. Yeah, serious stuff, this. Um, okay, this is an American satirical teen sex comedy film. That's how it's described. Um, directed by Emma Seligman. And the film stars... Uh, uh, sorry, I've got Senot, and I'm just baffled as to why it's only one word. That's what happens when you copy and paste your own notes from a different source because you haven't actually seen the movie, just the trailer. But it also stars Ayo Edibira and Ruby Cruz and, and a bunch of other people. I always leave the names on here because normally you surprise me and go, oh, yeah, I've seen that person in something. And it's usually something I haven't seen, but you're very good at that. So I've left all the supporting cast there for you. Uh, basically, the plot follows two high school senior girls and other unpopular girls and they set up basically a fight club as a way for these two girls who are both lesbians. Uh, their plan is to hook up with cheerleaders. And the, the when you watch the trailer, it looks absolutely bonkers, but quite funny, really out there. And the reviews have been really, really positive. So all the critics love this movie for some reason. So I'm, I'm looking at it going, it's a little bit like a gross-out comedy, but more verbal than sort of American Pie, um, you know, and quite surprising in a world of sensitivity readers that even on the trailer there's a red band trailer on youtube check it out it's quite funny and some of the things they say are deliberately outrageous so i actually you know i wouldn't i'd, I'd probably rather see this and dance first actually okay you know. it, i mean in a way if if it wasn't for the fact that this this revolves around um uh, lesbian high school girls this film's been done a million times before i suppose it has a bit uh, yeah but yeah. I guess that make, gives it an interesting and original twist. Yeah, and that they seem to be like up because in, you know teenage boys trying to trying to like you know lose their virginity before they yeah. leave school. That's that was the plot of Porky's and, oh, and every and other so many other teen movies comedy. Like that. Yeah, this yeah. is pretty much like it. So the, you're absolutely right. It's just a gender flip version yeah. of that. The two girls are unpopular. Uh, they're not. They don't. They're not considered hot or cool. So they find a different way to kind of um, interact with the girls they like. And it becomes a big thing where lots of girls are doing it. And, you know, I was just absolutely... Just check out the trailer. It's bonkers. They're punching each other. But they're also up against the uh, the usual villains in Hollywood movies involving teenagers, the jocks. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the guy, captain of the school football team who's pretty horrible. Uh, we have seen that a million times. But as yeah. I said, the reviews, really strong reviews. Because I, I, I kept an open mind. I thought, why is the critical response on this one then? Expecting it would be... Well, it's all right if you like that sort of thing, but really, it's just nonsense. No, it was really well reviewed. The movie, so okay. there you go. Um, the Senate that you were you were querying yeah, that totally uh, threw me. Yeah, it's Rachel Senate, and it's it's because oh. the paragraph before, or the sentence before yeah, which mentions her full name. Yeah, the writer. So, th- so that's why they've abbreviated it. It's yeah. a thing that writers do sometimes. I know. I do you know what? Any always... questions about English and grammar and stuff? You just ask me. Yeah, my grammar. Yeah. Well, she's still alive. Lives in Annick. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's actually my mother, but never yeah, mind. So, so, so Rachel Sennett is because she co-wrote it as well as yes. starring in it. I'm terrible, you know. I chop the writers out for brevity, and I'm, it's awful because I'm excluding the people 
that uh, really I ought to be talking up because it's, it's all about the writer. You're excluding you your know? people. I mean, I well, I always say you'll that, be you, out of that WhatsApp group you, before you know it. You exactly. You you pick a um, any actor, and they'll have, no matter how good, and then they will have done a dud, and it's usually because the script isn't very good. Hmm. So there you go. So and then, well, those writers, they'll always know? blame the script, won't they? They will. Yet they don't. They, they don't always praise no, the script when no. they when they get when uh, they pick up that Oscar. Yeah. Ah, well, sometimes they do. Sometimes they say, yeah, "Oh, it's great writing." Yeah. But anyway, what's his what's his name? He was a great writer. I can't remember his name. The guy who wrote the script. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's Bottoms. Yes. So <clears throat> Bottoms uh, also out on uh, Friday the third of November, as is the Royal Hotel. Yes, this is an interesting one. So it's an Australian psychological thriller film, um, and it is based on a documentary. And I've I've seen and read up on the documentary, so I've done my research. So the original documentary is called Hotel Coolgardie uh, by Pete Gleason. It's a 2016 documentary which followed two backpackers who were, I think, from Finland originally. Or, or, I may have got that wrong from memory, but I think they were Finnish. And they ended up working in a pub, and it's a pub in the outback that actually exists it's miles from anywhere, and the pe- people who drink in it are miners, as in, like, they, they're mining... Um, what, what, they're underage? Or no, they're exactly, down they're mining. Down a pit, a pit. <laughs> if they were underage, technically, they wouldn't be in the pub, but I, I take your point. They're the opposite kind of miners who dig for things. And what these what happens at this pub is they replenish their bar staff by allowing backpackers to come and work there. But all the uh, regulars and some of the people behind the bar are incredibly sexist and misogynistic and look upon the girls who come there as kind of fresh meat. <clears throat> so this documentary ended up being, instead of a, a culture clash issue about people from Scandinavia going to Australia, it became a, a bit of a shameful takedown of Aussie Machismo. And the new movie, The Royal Hotel, is a psychological thriller based on that. So a sort of an exaggerated version in a sense. Um, and it stars Julie Garner and Jessica Hennick, Toby Wallace and Hugo Weaving, who you might recall as well from... Uh, oh, he's done lots, lots of things. Lots of things. Lord of yeah. the Rings trilogy with yeah. the, Ma- the Matrix, wasn't it? Yeah, he was, absolutely. Was it Mr. Oh, what was he called? The, was it Mr. Anderson? Um, no. Mr. Anderson. Where am I getting that name from? I don't know. That sounded like uh, Matrix. Is that not what I just said? Oh, sorry, I misheard you because it reverberated in my ears. Was he in that? Uh, Yeah, yeah. He he was was, in the Matrix? He was the villain. Ah, He was the main villain. He was the one that there was like millions of them. I think I'm getting mixed up with a different Hugo then, I was about to say. Oh, hang on, who did you? (laughs) Yeah, I'm probably thinking of, I think I'm thinking of the Brit who was in... um, Oh, you're thinking of the guy who was in the Four Monty? Yes, yeah, correct. Similar I've got, name. I've got a different Hugo on the brain here, but Hugo sound of it. Spearing, that was. Yes. You see, Spearing, Weaving. Yeah. You know, they're all hobbies, aren't they? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. I'm getting old. I'm glad you're here to put me right they're with names. They're all crafts, aren't they? They are. <laughs> the woman, the craft. Anyway, let's get back to Julia Garner. She's very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she's in it as well. Um, anyway, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a dramatization of um, a documentary, which is rare. And obviously, I, I suspect it's somewhat exaggerated. But believe me, from the film clips I saw of the original, those, those girls were threatened. You know, the, the people wouldn't leave the room, and you know they were they were living above the pub, and guys would be like trying, you know, they'd be trying to get rid of the guys at the end of the night, and they weren't taking no for an answer. So okay. it was, you can imagine how scary it must have been. Uh, just to correct myself, Hugo Weaving played Agent Smith in the Matrix yes, films. Yes, the other and, guy, and Neo was yes. Mr. Anderson. He, he, and he used kept to say saying, it. He used to go, Mr. Anderson. Yeah, yeah and he yeah. said it in a very sinister way. He did. It was very, uh, very cool, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it but, was. But Je- Jennifer Garner is... is that? Have I just got her name wrong? Why have I just doubted myself there? Is that who you just said? Julia Garner. 
Uh, Julia Garner. Julia Garner. Jennifer, Jennifer Garner's the other Garner that we like. Yes, yes. So we were talking about her last time, weren't yeah, we? Yeah, Julia Garner, of yeah. course, uh, who who <clears throat> gave a, a real sort of powerhouse performance in Ozark. Yeah, she's great in Ozark. Even yeah. though she looked like a young uh, Justin Timberlake. <laughs> she did a bit, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah somewhat androgynous. <laughs> well, yeah, and it was the sort of sh- shortish curly hair. Yeah. And, yeah, she's very good in that, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's more that Justin Timberlake, when he was younger, looked quite feminine, was probably ah, what I was, okay. uh, rather than she looking masculine. Well, careful, because his lawyers might be listening to this podcast, uh, and you know, you've just called him feminine. So. I'm not scared of them. Oh, okay. no, he, he's, he's cool yeah. with that. He'll beat you up, mate. He's oh. around here, and he's been up training and stuff, won't he? He's done movies. I'm sure. So, anyway, anyway, yeah. But she's very, go. very good, so, you know, uh, it's, we'll be worth watching for the cast, I think. Okay, yeah, so uh, that's uh, The Royal Hotel, uh, which is also out on uh, the 3rd of November. Hi, I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast, One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story, and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is, you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St. Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's One to One with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans Podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. Time to look at new releases on the streaming services. Just one this time round uh, on Netflix coming out on the 3rd of November. It is locked in. Yeah, this is a, a psychological thriller. Um, and it starts Finn Cole, Rose Williams and Famke Janssen, you might recall. Oh, yeah. From a bunch of things, including a good Bond movie. Yeah, and, in the and, 90s. The, and the X-Men. She was yes. one of them for a long time. She was, yeah. So she's the, the name in this one. Um, it's classed as a romantic crime thriller, interestingly enough. <clears throat> and it's... Um, it's, it looks a little bit overblown from looking at the trailers, but it, it basically follows a newlywed, uh, what we call Lena, who is pitted against her rich, cold-hearted mother-in-law, Catherine, the aforementioned Famke Janssen, and an affair sets off a chain reaction that results in a love triangle, a murder, and a plot to bring Lena down. And the question asked by the filmmakers is, but who is the real victim and who can Lena trust? And it features a kindly nurse trying to unblock the secrets of a coma patient's injury, and discover the bitter rivalry and the infidelity, betrayal, and murder that has been behind them. Okay. So yeah, it looks uh, looks fascinating, but as I said, somewhat overblown, somewhat uh, operatic, almost the way they're going at each of the hammer and tongs. But yeah, yeah so it should be good. Okay, now there's a cast member that you haven't mentioned. Who is there? That is listed <clears throat> second on on IMDb after Famke Janssen, which is Anna Friel. Who ah. used to be in Brookside? Yes, and I saw her in the trailer, but I didn't see her in the cast list. So yeah, no, a... that's really weird. Um, yeah, because she's not on the poster. Right. So there's three. There's so three. I'm guessing she plays the, the nurse because at the end of the trailer she appears briefly, and I, I can't remember her dialogue on it because I looked at it a few days ago. But um, oh yeah, she's worth watching in anything, isn't she? She's, she's really very, good. very good. Really good. Um, what what, <clears throat> it, what I find interesting on IMDb is that they don't have. For three of the the main cast, they have no character name. Yeah, and I don't know if that is is potentially because that maybe that's some kind of spoiler. Ah, right. Okay. Um, but so uh, Famke <clears throat> Janssen, it says he's playing Catherine, and yes. Rose Williams is playing Lena, and then Anna Friel, Finn Cole, and Alex Hassel. There's no character names, but All others right. have character names. Ah, 
So, yeah, that's interesting. But, um, yeah, I'm thinking Anna Freeland might be the kindly nurse who tries to unlock the secrets of the patient's injury. But, again, check out the trailer. It's uh, it's pretty full on. Okay. And so. Finn Cole might be known to um, our listener as, um, as somebody who was in Peaky Blinders, I believe. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, no, so I'm going blank was, on you again. You're as familiar with Peaky Blinders you know, as I am. I, I always feel really guilty because everybody loves Peaky Blinders. Yeah. And I watched the first season and I was like, well, this is all right. See, I, but I, I didn't watch the rest. I watched the first episode <coughs> right. and wasn't that enamoured. And mm. I know that that's wrong. Whenever people tell me, yeah, oh, yeah, you're going to love yeah. this series, you've got to watch a few of them. But if you've watched the whole first season... I know. Well, so I did exactly what you did. I watched one episode and thought... Oh, I'm not so keen. And a couple of years went by and everybody raved. And I thought, I'm feeling like there's a gap in my knowledge here. So I watched that first season. And again, once I, once again, I find that I'm in the minority. Most people love it. I was just a bit like, eh, not that bothered really. Okay. So I didn't watch any more. So I don't recall Finn Cool. But um, yeah, bless yeah. him. He's obviously gone on to do a Netflix original. While, um, uh, while, while we've just been talking there, in the background on my computer screen, the trailer for Locked In has been playing silently. Uh, yeah. And uh, Anna Friel's wearing a nurse's uniform. There you go. How did I not remember that? Surely that would be a trigger. But, uh, maybe <laughs> no, I just... <laughs> no, no, an actual nurse's uniform, not one of those that, that you, you're familiar with. Uh, but yeah. uh, in, interesting <clears throat> fact about um, Famke Janssen, oh, yeah. I was once in the same room as her. Oh, and uh, I thought under the terms of the restraining order, you weren't allowed to be within 100 metres of her. It's because I was in that same room. That, 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 <laughs> well, I say room, it was, it was a rather large exhibition hall. Uh-huh. Uh, but I was probably at one point almost as close to her as I am to you right now. Before you were wrestled to the ground by her bodyguards. <laughs> well, it was one of these um, conventions and, oh, and right. she, was, <clears throat> she was doing a signing. There was loads and loads of sort of middling celebs and, and, then, the, and then a couple who were... Quite proper movie stars, proper yeah. stars. She and I would have said she was one of the like, yeah, yeah. proper stars of this thing, and I was just absolutely breathless with how <laughs> beautiful she was, and she just gave off this aura, and and uh, I didn't interact with her in any way at all. She was behind a table, she had a queue. I was walking past, but it was just one of those moments that I think it only I can only have said this happened maybe once or twice. But I just went, oh, Wow, you were like, she's that's really why pretty. she's a movie star. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. She had something about her. <clears throat> and then the person on the table beside her was Mads Mickelson. Oh, wow. And do you know what? There was something there and all in a really okay. weird sort of way. There was, you know, he had a presence. Yeah, Mads yeah. Mickelson, he's a big guy. He's a big, lean guy. And you don't necessarily always appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, he's he's tall. He's he's well built. He And, and he just... and He just he just looks like a film star. Yeah, Mickelson and he was talking to some that. woman who was, I think, possibly like an assistant at the, the convention for him. And she was just sort of nearby with a lanyard around her neck. And he just smiled at her sweetly and she just melted. <laughs> and I think it was something like, do you need any more water? And I think he went, oh, that's very kind of you, but I'm all right, thanks. <laughs> something like that. And it was just this little... And you, she just melted. Somewhere she's telling that story. <laughs> yeah. And I offered him some water and then he just smiled at me and that was it. And at the same event, there was... Dolph Lundgren, who was so famous, he had to be behind barriers and behind screens so no one could see him. And also uh, Jeremy Renner, who was the same. And yet I was thinking, arguably, Famke Janssen and, and, you know, Mads Mikkelsen are possibly more More interesting. Or certainly more interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd rather have a pint with Mads than the other four. I certainly think that those two were probably more famous than Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. who, Who, this was... Perhaps before the um, Expendables films, which have kind of helped him a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, they're not my thing, so I always just think of him as a guy in Rocky, yeah. you know, a long time ago. Well, and they had the, the pictures up on the screens that, that people had to pay a lot of money to get his autograph, which really? was, yeah, and, and the pictures was of him as, as, as Ivan Drago. 
And, uh-huh. and I thought, my word, that was 30 years ago. And that's, that's, that's what you're still Although he did make a comeback on. as Ivan Drago, didn't he? He did, Creed yeah. Movies. But that, I think that was after yeah. this thing I went to. Ah, oh, there you go. But yeah, no, it was... Mm. Uh, have you ever been to any of these sort of Comic-Con conventions? No, nothing things? like that, no. Yeah. So, I went, so I went to one in London, and it was the London Film and Comic Con or something, whether it was called. And it was at the Excel Centre, I think it, hmm. it's the name of the place. So it's huge. And, and I felt quite sorry for a lot of the people there because these people I mean there's so many people dressed up and and it was wonderful to see them all dressed up as their heroes from various superhero things and TV and film things and all that that was lovely and and there's a big big sort of area where it was like a market you know and people were selling memorabilia and props and costumes and all sorts of things connected to the fandom that was being sort of supported there and there was a, a Batmobile from from Michael mm. Keaton's Batman that you could go over and you could have a look at and there was other things you could go and see but then the other part of the exhibition was just tables upon tables upon tables of stars in inverted commas who you could pay to get an autograph from mm. and so you queued at the table and then you got to the front and then you'd have like 30 seconds quick chat sign they sign a picture and then off you go oh, wow. and okay. if you wanted a photo that that cost more and and it was it was quite it's a conveyor belt in well, it money, is, isn't it, it is. really but but, but the, these people ranged from Mads Mikkelsen and and Famke Janssen uh, down to third third stormtrooper on the left in the background of one <laughs> shot of Empire Strikes Back and you can't even tell it's him because he's got a helmet on wow well, um, I've never really been that starstruck that I'd need uh, autographs from people but I, I do have one good autograph story so I'll tell it to you pretty quickly now so went to see the RSC years ago when I was uh, a kid. So I was a teenager, and it was a six-form trip, and we go and see uh, the RSC, who are always great, Shakespeare. And we saw Trollus and Cressida, which had an ensemble cast, and there was numerous people in it. Didn't know any of them, never heard of any of them. They were, you know, none of them were famous particularly at the time. So this is way back in the early 80s, mid-80s, I think, about 1985. And the next day, I was wandering around Stratford, walked back into the gift shop, realised I couldn't afford to buy anything, except for postcards. So I bought a couple of postcards, one of which had the very cool guy who played Achilles in Troilus and Cressida on it. And I had no idea his name, who he was, but I thought, that guy was really good. I'll get that postcard and stick it on my wall. As I came out of the theatre, he was walking in. So I thought, oh, that's definitely... I even had to look at it and go, I'm sure that's him. So I did that. Oh, excuse me, would you mind signing my card? And he very graciously did. And uh, about five years later, I saw him play the villain in Die Hard. It was Alan Rickman. So I've got a signed Alan Rickman card wow. <laughs> to this day. And uh, yeah. If you, if you met a, um, somebody that you really admire today, if you met a celebrity that was somebody that you really, you know, this yeah. was, I don't know, Michael Caine. Ah, well, right. I did a couple of years ago. Oh. <laughs> we were, sorry, we did, a, we did a thing where we went to the Royal Albert Hall and it was a brilliant evening where he was on stage being interviewed and they played the music for all of his big hit, hit movies and it was fantastic. And I'd, for once in my life, I'd gone a bit, um, you know, full on and bought tickets in a box. Didn't have the whole box, just the tickets. Turned out his box was two down. So when we had the interval, he wandered past us. And I was like, oh, my God, that's my old kid. So I tried to get a picture of him on the way back. And he moved a bit too quick. And my wife still teases me because it's the only time she's ever seen me run after someone. I didn't wrestle him to the ground, but I did run <laughs> parallel with him. Didn't run and after said, her, but you run after him. Yeah, that's more or less what she yeah. said. But yeah, I got his autograph on my program, so well, pretty pretty good. Well, my question was going to be, but you've kind of ruined that now. Sorry. That's right. right. But it, you said it, Michael Kane. Okay, I thought it would be a bit I, weird if I, I don't was, answer you. Yeah, no, no, fair <laughs> point. No, if, you're, if I were in your shoes, I'd have jumped in with that and all. But no, my... 
my, my question was going to be, if you were um, in the presence of, of a star, somebody that you really, really liked and admired, would you rather an autograph or a selfie? Oh, a picture of some sort, but I'm terrible at selfies, so I'd literally be handing the camera to somebody else. Otherwise, I'd end up with but, but yeah, 11 a, chins. A, but yes, a, I think a photo a picture, or a, an autograph is... I think a picture thing. would be good. No, I think autographs are almost quite an old-fashioned mm-hmm. thing, aren't they? But well, yeah, believe he, me, Michael was busy. He was heading back to the stage for part two, so yeah. I couldn't really stop him for a picture. No, but it's just... <laughs> because I know something <clears throat> was somewhat derogatory about youngsters today, and they always, you know, selfies and all yeah. that. Yet, I think that... If I were to say to you, I met, I don't know, whoever it might be, I I, I met, um, you know, uh, some famous, I met Nicole Kidman. Yeah. And, um, you know, you're great. And if I then showed you her, her signature... You go, oh, that's nice. Yeah, um, but even but, better. If but you, if I said, look, and here's a photo of me and yeah. her, you'd have gone, oh, cool. Even better if you went, oh, look who I met the other day. And I'd go, is that, is that her? Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. You know, I'd be so impressed. But they say an autograph, you, you'd, and also people sell the damn things, don't they? There's a place in St. Albans where you can get signed photographs. Um, you know, yeah. they're everywhere, aren't yeah. they? You can, yeah. you can buy it online so it doesn't feel quite the same as And there's one, or two, one or two stars of old who famously would never give autographs. So Sean Connery was one who, oh. who would often tell people who are asking for an autograph to go away. Ah, politely, I'm sure. No, um, <laughs> but I've cleaned that up slightly. Uh, it was a crush you'd be if you met James Bond and he told you what to do. Oh, yeah, apparently there, yeah. Was, there was some footage of him walking in New York um, a, a, a while after he'd retired. He looked a bit elderly. And some, some younger person went up to him and said, oh, Mr. Connery, please. And he just went, off. Did he? Yeah. Oh, God. That's and so, somebody else had filmed him doing it. Oh, and, um, dear me. Yeah. Is there any need for that? Well, yeah, yeah because it's the fans that made them. Exactly. And, yeah. and and he might not want to stop and give an autograph, but you can do it politely, can't you? You don't have to tell people where they're... Well, I've always, I've always, it's the one <clears> thing I've admired, or well, one of the things I guess I've admired about Tom Cruise is that he always seems to have so much time. He goes to these premieres and he spends more time outside talking to the fans, yeah. getting photos, doing things with them, phoning, yeah. phoning their mums and you know, leaving messages yes. and does all that sort of stuff. it means a lot to people. Yeah. Only if you've turned up... Yeah. Because of him. Yeah, and he'll be there. Yeah. And he knows that those people are not invited. They don't get to go and watch the film. They're just stood yeah. outside. They're adoring fans. And he, he it gives the impression, at least, that he spends the time to speak to almost everyone there. Yeah, fair play to him for yeah. that. So, uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, locked, we are, we are in. turning into the Tom Cruise fan club, aren't we? Because we keep raving about his movies as well. well he, but uh, I agree with you. Yeah, it's good stuff that he does that. He does. Anyway, Locked In was the movie that we did start talking about about a week an hour, ago. An hour ago, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah. it's out on Netflix uh, on the 3rd of November. The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St. Albans podcast with Danny Smith. We've reached that point in the show where we discover another film that highly acclaimed local author of note Howard Linsky has deemed too good to be forgotten and we we move to 1998 with this particular choice of yours a simple plan a simple plan yeah not to be confused by Baldrick's a cunning plan it's very different um, this is an American neo-noir crime thriller and it's directed by Sam Raimi but it's not one of his that tends to be uh, talked about much hence I still think it's too good to be forgotten. Um, have you seen it, mate? I always ask you this, don't I? I believe I have. Ah, uh, you know it. <sighs> and also, I believe that I was fairly sure it was a Coen Brothers movie. Oh, you thought it was, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and I've, I, I actually double-checked when you said Sam Raimi that uh, you had made a mistake. Now, apparently, one of the reasons that people speculate that it didn't do so well was because it came out around the same time as Fargo. So it has that look about it. Um, and it's set in uh, rural Minnesota in a winter landscape, um, so it has that look and feel. 
Um, it's got a good cast. The three main protagonists, Bill Paxton um, and Billy Bob Thornton, who plays his brother, and Bridget Fonda, who plays Bill Paxton's wife. And the plot of the the, the story is that uh, while they're out um, driving around um, and looking for something, they discover a crashed plane which contains over $4 million in cash. See, this does sound like a Coen Brothers movie, doesn't it? A little it? bit, yeah, yeah. It's got that kind of... Um, and, and and also um, Billy Bob Thornton, who is often in Coen Brothers um, work. Yeah, and he's really good in this. So he plays Bill Paxton's brother, who um, struggles with life and, and isn't the brightest. And there's honestly, there's a real pathos to this character that he brings to it, particularly when he tells a story about where Bill Paxton says to him, you know, you know, because they decide to keep the money, that's the point, and they're hoping that no one will notice that this money's gone missing. And Bill Paxton encourages Billy Bob Thornton by saying, look, you know, you you could settle down and have a family like I have, and I know you want that. And didn't you have a girl, you know, who used to go out with you at high school? And Billy Bob Thornton has to confess that uh, her friends clubbed together and gave her $100 to go out with him for a month. And he, and he honestly doesn't mind. He's like, well, because it was nice, and she was... She was nice to me. And, and afterwards, she said hello to me in the corridor, and she didn't have to do that. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, well, bless him, you know. Uh, so he really does bring something to that character. He makes him seem very real. It was enough but, to get him a Best Supporting Actor nomination well, at the Oscars. You know, I did not know that, but he, it was certainly uh, it's good, the good film to see got the great minds think alike. He got know? nominated for two categories. He got nominated for Best best Supporting Actor for Billy Bob Thornton. And now this one you won't really care about. But yeah, it was the screenplay. Also for, yeah, presumably. screenplay, yeah. <laughs> I know you don't really like writers that much. Yeah, I know. But you know, writers, it's just too many names, Who do they think it? they are? Who do, they, who do these successful writers think they are? How dare they? But anyway, it's really good. And because, as you would imagine, complications ensue. Uh, and they, all, they, they talk themselves in and out of keeping the money because there is also another character who's the drunken friend of Billy Bob Thornton in this. Um, and the three men are the ones who have to decide whether they keep the money. And they're always threatening that, you know, I want my share now. Or, well, if you want your share, you threaten me, I'll burn the lots. And... Um, it particularly follows Bill Paxton's struggles with the sort of morality of what he's doing and also the danger because they know they could either go to jail or they could be killed by the people who've lost the money if they come looking for them. has a decent number of twists and turns in it and a really kind of strong ending, I would say. So, yeah, well worth a watch. Okay. And it's on iPlayer at the moment, so ah, you can watch it for now. So you can find that for free. Yes. Uh, I also noticed it's got in the cast Gary Cole, who I think is an excellent uh, sort of character actor, I suppose. Ah, but right. if you, you, you I, I can tell from the look in your face, you don't know who I'm I mean. Do, I'm doing my usual thing. I've got to go and tell me what he's in if, because if it doesn't you, ring a bell. He has been in so many things over the ah. years and so much, mainly TV, but he does cop Does he play movies. the sheriff in this, by the way? Is that, is, uh, the sheriff was very good in it. Uh, like, sorry to pin, pin that on you when you've not got all this... Um, completely within your grasp. It, it, the character name just says Baxter. It doesn't say whether that's Sheriff Baxter or Deputy uh, Baxter. or I guess yeah, it could it be. He, he does sometimes play sort of law and order type characters. Right. Uh, but he was, uh, if you remember back in the 80s, uh, there used to be a TV series called Midnight Caller about the uh, a cop who um, became a late night talk show talk radio sort of presenter. I was about to joke that I must have been too young for that but I was probably yeah. I was probably just at the pub you're probably the wrong age because you were out drinking yeah yeah I was out drinking night. as a young man not, on a Saturday not, night I don't even remember it not watching that sort of stuff so, so that oh. that was one of the first things he did he has I'm, I'm going to have to show you a photo of him because then you're going to go oh him because yes, you would have absolutely yeah. seen him in, in dozens of things he's currently on NCIS he replaced ah. the guy who was in it for 20 odd years uh, uh, and, and he's 
doing very well in that and he starred in so many other um tv series and films and he was in um hang on let me get a photo and then see if yeah any recognition for you a bell um uh yes i do know the character he plays and i won't spoil it because it would be a bit of a spoiler alert um yes he's um a significant cameo almost in this yeah so yeah Yeah, he was in a talladega nights uh the ballad of ricky bobby um uh, but but he was also in the West Wing. He had um, ah. he played the vice president, and he was from Texas. And do you know the other? This is the other big confession. Oh, we drummed out. Watched it, no, I tried, and I just I was wanting to love it, and I didn't, oh, and so yeah. I gave up on it. It was just a bit a bit sort of not schmaltzy is the wrong yeah. word, but a little bit sentimental in parts. He was in Entourage, The Good Wife. Um, he has in... keep mentioning TV series that I haven't seen. How, how have you terrible. not watched these things? No, I haven't. I haven't seen Entourage. I haven't seen The Good Wife. Just, okay. It's just time, mate. I'm working through lots of other things, and I watch something every night. But usually, I have like an hour maximum, there two a, hours a night. There was a to watch great something. series that, if it's ever on again, you should look for, uh, and it was called American Gothic. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, again, he played he played the sheriff in that, and he was like the main character. Do you know what? I've just thought I'm probably watching too many films. That's why, because I usually I watch a movie in the evening. He, he was um, in Clear and Present Danger. He played Clint oh, yeah. Eastwood's boss. I, I do know that one. Who was like a younger guy who Clint Eastwood resented a younger bloke being his boss and. Ah. Yeah, it was him. Um, yeah, that, that rings a bell with Clint Eastwood having a boss he resents. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he's <laughs> usually getting suspended for 48 he, hours. So He, can, he, he often played people who yeah. was very, um, very, you know... Anti-authoritarian, <laughs> maverick, you know, gives it to the man. Yeah. So we can all identify <laughs> with wanting to do that. Yeah, there you anyway, go. Anyway, that's a simple plan. Check it out. Okay. Time to take a look at a highly acclaimed local author of note, Howard Linsky's uh, choice of the films to watch on free-to-air TV for the week ahead. We start off with Friday the 3rd of November, 9pm on E4. We have World War... Now, it would, yeah, should World it be called War, Z? I think it is World War Z, but I mean, crikey, what are they doing over there in America? But yeah, it's an American book and an American film. If, so if we were World reading War that Z. out and not knowing what it was, we'd yeah. say World War Z, because it's the letter Z. Yeah. But, but it's an American thing, and, and it's probably known by its name World War Z. Yeah, and if it wasn't such a good movie, I'd be cringing, but okay. it's very good. I mean, if you like a bit of post-apocalyptic sci-fi with a zombie uh, twist thrown in, then this is the movie for you. Um, it was one of those movies where, you know, people used to say, oh, zombies would be terrifying if they could actually run and not just walk very slowly at you. But um, that's what happens in this one. They're very fast and they um take over the world Didn't very Danny quickly. Danny Boyle um invent yes, the running I was about to say um he you know well, he claims a, he of does. that era uh yeah so sort of 28 days later and uh, and its sequels uh but yeah or sequel I think there's a planned sequel isn't there um yeah. but, but whether that gets off the ground we shall see but anyway this one's very good Brad Pitt um it's it's by his production company and he plays Jerry Lane which uh, sounds like a Beatles track but never mind <laughs> um he's a former United Nations investigator who travels the world seeking a solution for a sudden zombie apocalypse. So what actually happens, it starts with the zombies sort of taking over. I can't remember if it's New York. I think they're in New York and they're in their car and the zombies attack and uh, they basically bite people who then become zombies so you get more and more of them. And Brad Pitt and his wife and kids escape but he is then told he has to go back and do what a man has to do and finish the job and find a cure for this, uh, you know, basically virus thing that's going around turning people into zombies um and it's yeah it's action-packed um it's really i was just excellent i mean it was edge of the seat stuff the first time i saw this and i've seen it a couple of times so i'd highly recommend it okay. whether you've seen it or not now it's directed by mark forster 
and I know one thing about Mark Forster, and and I'm you know I know one other film he made, and uh, I don't know if, if you're familiar with any no, of his work. Not off the top of my so, head. So no. the one that I knew uh-huh. was he did Quantum of Solace, the Bond. Film. Oh right, okay. Having quickly looked him up, I am ashamed by how many films he's done. Why is he that not I, that I don't there? know right. that I didn't know that were him? Oh. so his third movie was Monsters Ball. Okay. Yeah, Halle yeah. Berry won the Oscar yes, for yes. Best Actress for Monsters Ball. And Billy Bob Thornton, who we mentioned earlier. Yeah. yeah he was in it. It was yeah. very good. Uh, Heath Ledger was in it as well, wasn't he? Oh, I don't remember him. I believe that... Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've made that up. Um, no, I'm sure you have. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it, it was yeah. Halle Berry, Billy Bob Thornton, Heath Ledger and uh, Peter Boyle. I remember Billy Bob Thornton and her having a relationship and his father was terrible and racist and... Uh, so I remember that character. Okay, I, I haven't seen it in a long, long while. And then his follow-up film was Finding Neverland, Neverland with Johnny Depp. Well, that was really good. Yeah, a bit yeah. sentimental, but yeah. very good. He directed a very yeah. uh, critically acclaimed film, Stranger Than Fiction. Right. Um, and then he did The Kite Runner, the, oh, the, yeah, the yeah. adaptation yeah, the of the book, the bestseller. Yeah. Yep. Quantum of Solace, um, World War Z. Uh, and then more recently, he did um, Christopher Robin, which I don't think was that. No, well, that wasn't big, was it? That, no. Yeah. And then A Man Called Otto, which was a reasonably big film for Tom Hanks. Oh, it was. Last yes. Year. That's a weird one that was based on a foreign movie that was also based on a book, I think. So yeah, they, something they, like that, wasn't it? Yeah. But yeah, so this guy that I, I hadn't really, I thought, oh, I think I knew he did a Bond Isn't film. It's funny that he doesn't have a profile with doing these movies that we've all heard of. I didn't really know yeah, who he was. And acclaimed ones. Yeah. Acclaimed ones, no less. Anyway. True. There you go. World True. War Z, Z, uh, twen- from 2013 on 9pm on E4. Uh, now, on Sunday, the 5th of November, oh, yeah. you've picked <coughs> a classic. A very old one, yeah. Yes, even older than me. 1966, Daleks, Invasion of the Earth, 2150 AD. Um, I haven't seen it in a long while, but it's just one of those ones. I would describe it as a bit of a curio, a bit of fun. And it's Peter Cushing playing Doctor Who back in the early 60s. People tend to forget him yeah. as being a Doctor Who because well, he wasn't a Doctor Who on TV. Yes. He did so it in two movies. I believe that they don't count him. because <gasps> don't count him. Because in various <clears throat> episodes of the TV series, when they sometimes shown other Doctors in, in the episode, he never gets shown. Oh, okay. He never gets referred to. And I think it's partly, perhaps, a licensing I issue. I would think copyright and all that stuff because they don't own the rights to the movies, do they? Yes. Yeah, so. So, so, so it was planned in the 60s that they were going to make three Doctor Who movies and they ended up making two and I That's think right, yeah. they might have been made by Hammer um, yes I think they were um, yeah. which might explain why it was Peter Cushing playing Doctor Who but also yeah. Peter Cushing's Doctor Who wasn't an alien he was an old man I believe that was also oh, there was there was some I did subtle not differences. Not realise that he didn't come from Gallifrey I, and all that. I, yeah. I, I <clears> might <throat> be wrong, but I think oh. it was something like that. I think he was because his companions in it were his granddaughter or yes, his niece Susan or? I think his granddaughter yeah um, from memory so dredging it back but the other interesting quirk and it has a Doctor Who link in the more modern era is that the, the they, they end up accidentally picking up a new companion who is a police officer so who gets involved in it all the whole movie plot and it's Bernard Cribbins. Yes. He's a young Bernard Cribbins, obviously, back in 66, you yeah. know, when it was made. Because um, he then went on to play a, a completely different character, yeah, but he was quite, quite prominent in, in the David Tennant era of he Doctor was. Who. He was very prominent. In fact, in he that. made me cry. There was a bit, yeah. There was a bit where they were. Did sat he refuse a, you an autograph? No, they they sat in a ca- they sat in a cafe um, in in an episode, and and uh, David Tennant's doctor was dying, and he knew he was dying. He knew he was going to be regenerating soon, and and he sort of said goodbye to everyone, and 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 Bernard Cribbins just looks at him and he goes, "Take me with you." 
Oh. And it was so oh. like emotional, and I'm like feeling it now, just remembering <laughs> that he oh, was. He, Bernard Cribbins was was just this lovely old fellow. He just wanted to go off on one last adventure with the doctor, and oh. he says, "I know you're diver. Take me with you." Brilliant. And he didn't. And he said, "I can't." And he said, "I don't know where I'm going." And it was all very, very, very emotional. emotional. He was a very good doctor, yeah. David Tennant. I liked him. Yeah. I sort of stopped watching it eventually. Even the new iteration, but I did like David Tennant. I, I got uh, as far as partway through Peter Capaldi. I think I got yeah. a couple of episodes in, and it, I don't know. I, I don't just, know why I didn't. I like Peter Capaldi usually, but I didn't really warm to that Doctor, and I haven't watched it since. But do you find sometimes mm. with TV programs, you make a conscious decision to stop watching them because you're not enjoying it, or you don't think it's yeah, any good? But then there's also the ones where you just haven't got round to watching anymore. Correct, and you just don't go back to it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's not like you hated it, but you just yeah. somehow end up watching something else. Because I quite enjoyed Doctor Who. This, as a kid, I enjoyed the old ones, and yeah. then as a as an adult, I've appreciated. I the, like the, the reboot. New ones. Yeah. yeah, Christopher Eccleston. I've watched that season, and yeah. then he didn't want to do it anymore. So then David Tennant was very good, and I thought Billy Piper was very good in yeah, that yeah. Really as well. Yeah, and yeah. Matt Smith did a very good job as well, and you know they. And the writing was was of a very high caliber. I know you don't really like writers, but it was it was well done. And, and I'll have know. to stop this myth that I've started inadvertently. Yeah, sure, whatever. I just ran out of time to put but the writers they, but, on. But they made these two movies, and the, the Daleks Invasion Earth twenty one fifty A D was the second one. Which and can I just say it was written by Milton Sabotsky, just to give him credit there, bless him. <laughs> oh, you've changed. I have. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the sequel to Doctor Who and the Daleks, which came yeah. out the year before, uh, and. Um, I saw both of these in the cinema. I'm not that old. Before I was going to say anything. that's hilarious. You saw them in the cinema. I yeah. did Go because on, then back in the, in the where I grew up in the 80s uh, in in Plymouth, they would often show in the school holidays oh, movies yeah. in the mornings, and they were often sort of like we, we saw a lot of the Godzilla movies of the 60s. They were yeah, all shown in the cinema, yeah. and the really badly dubbed ones that were all Japanese. And um, and yeah, they showed these movies as well. So I remember seeing them up on a big screen. I, I, that's fine, but I do want to see your birth certificate because you seems like you're making all of this up. <laughs> <laughs> we also saw the um, <clears throat> we saw Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Oh, I remember which, that. Which yeah. the t- because it's, this was the 1980 TV series, yeah, yeah, but yeah. the pilot episode was released theatrically they made yeah, it as a cinema a release around yeah. the rest of the world and so we saw that in the cinema again on a on a school holiday morning right and um and also battlestar galactica oh, yeah. which was well over three hours long uh, but that because that, that was released theatrically there's a theatrical version that was oh. released around the rest of the world it was all to cash in on star wars because Star Wars was such a, a big thing of the time, all the other studios were thinking, "Hang on, we've got have we got anything like yeah. that, that we can chuck out?" And they they just made this mini TV mini series of Battlestar Galactica, and they spent a lot of money on the I production. Remember it. Of it. I remember the eighties version of Battlestar Galactica, right? Or late seventies, early late seventies. It was yeah. seventy seven, same year as Star Wars. God, and, so and so they 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 edited the the first the mini series, which I think was five episodes. They edited it together. Um, and 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 released it theatrically. The movie, wow. They changed the ending um, because one of the main characters, who's the villain, Baltar, gets executed in it. And then in the TV series, he pops up the following week because they didn't have that in the TV version. <laughs> but in the theatrical version, they chopped his head off. It sounds like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Nobody ever really dies in that, do they? You think they're dead and then they come back. Anyway, with their own series, <laughs> Daleks Invasion Earth twenty one fifty AD is on at four AM. 
uh, on Talking Pictures TV. Yeah, you've got to get really Sunday early for that one. November. Unless you understand tech. Or stay up really late. <laughs> or stay up really late. Yeah, yes. why not? See, when they put movies on between like midnight and 7 a.m., yeah. it's confusing as to know which day you put it well, on. Well, that's true. Like yeah, we've talked yeah. about movies that are on at like midnight and you think yeah. oh, we have to make it really clear what <clears> day we're talking about. We have about. a kind of cutoff point, don't we? But yeah. this is a weird one because it's 4 a.m. I yeah. suppose that must be where they're their films cut off because I think they probably show movies all night and probably yeah. the one that was on preceding it would have been listed on the day before. Oh, maybe. Yes. Be my guess. Yeah. Anyway, that's Sunday the 5th of November uh, on Talking Pictures TV at 4am. Let's move to Monday the 6th of November and a film from a similar era. In yes. fact, just a year before. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and it's part of a Sean Connery double bill. The first film is Thunderball from 1965. Um, it's a... I mean, I, maybe I've got this wrong, but to me, it's not one that gets mentioned a lot as a as a classic Bond movie. You know, the uh, obviously everyone's heard of Thunderball, but you don't tend to get this one discussed. But I quite like this one, particularly for all the underwater scenes. And when I was a kid, I was just like, "This re- is amazing!" Revolutionary They're all shooting at each other with harpoon guns. Yeah, and, you know, it was pretty brutal, but but exciting stuff. So um, the plot, which is always completely incidental in a Bond film, some nutter wants to blow up a city with a nuclear bomb. He's holding the world to ransom to the tune of a one hundred million pounds, which you know these days, ah, oh, barely you barely scratch a living with that. Yeah. And he wants it in diamonds, or he's going to blow up somewhere in the UK or the US. So Bond has to go to the Bahamas, where he encounters Emilio Largo, uh, the guy with the eye patch, and he's Spectre's number two, and uh, he's got Felix Leiter in it as well. And Domino, do you remember Domino, the oh, yeah. character, um, Largo's mistress? So, yeah, it was a good movie, classic Connery appearance. Um, he was well into the character at this point, knew what he was doing, and it was a hugely successful movie. In fact, I think it was potentially, has been held up as the most successful if you allow for inflation. So the money that it took at the time, obviously, has been eclipsed since, but is one of the biggies if not the biggest, when you allow for um, the inflation of the dollar. So the the movie was directed by Terence Young, who also did the first two Bond movies. This was the fourth Bond movie, and he did did Doctor No from Russia of Love. He didn't do Goldfinger. It was Guy Hamilton, but he came back for this one. And he often said in interviews later that he directed the first Bond film, the best Bond film, and the biggest Bond film. The biggest, yes. You're right. I've heard that before, probably uh, from your good self, I think. Yeah, and and, and also this was the only movie at the time that wasn't produced by Broccoli and Saltzman in the Bond series. They were the executive producers. Yes, that's a technicality because they had this big legal row and it eventually led to Never Say Never Again, didn't it? Because the one that Connery did while Moore was Bond, um, he did his breakaway Bond and it was all to do with the fact that at some point a writer had written a script with Fleming who then turned it into a novel and the writer was, you know, understandably a little miffed. Yeah, because Fleming settled. didn't credit him. No, they settled the legal dispute over the movie with a with a payout and a production credit. So, so when, when <clears> the... Um, uh, so in the 50s, Fleming was working on selling the Bond, Bond books as movies and, and, and was working on an original story as, a, as the first Bond film. And he worked with two other writers and the three of them collaborated on a script that ultimately didn't get made. 
and then Fleming just took it, novelised it, God. released it, didn't put their <clears throat> names on yeah, it. Yeah, that's a bit bad. As and a they, writer, I would say that's a bad one. And apparently yeah. it was huge front-page headlines in the 60s while this, this legal dispute was going yeah. on. It was in the high courts. It was, it was wow. you know, the tabloid-like fodder was wow. following um, Fleming. And they reckon it's what killed him because he died of, of a heart attack or something. And, they, and it was his lifestyle. I think it might have been his lifestyle that well, killed him. But yeah, but, but, but drinking it was the and stress, the smoking and all that. It was the stress of stress. all this as well. Yeah. But, but yeah, he was in the wrong. He, he was. He, he, he should have just, they should have just been paired, you yeah. know. And so, so subsequent <clears throat> editions of Thunderball have to have their names in, on the inside of the the, the book, right? Uh, and and yeah, they rightly they own the and so <laughs> and then the third person, the second guy, uh, Kevin McClory, um, bought the rights off the third person, so he owned oh. the rights, and and when. They initially, the, the Broccoli and Saltzman wanted to make Thunderball as the first movie uh, because it had only just come out as a book. Oh, right. so but because of all the legal yeah. Yeah, battlings <clears throat> and wranglings going on, they bought the rights to the rest of the books, except for Casino Royale, which he'd already sold to someone else. But yeah. they bought the rest of the rights, but they could only use... There were two caveats. One was that if if they made Thunderball, they had to make it with this guy McClory as the, as the producer. And if they made... Uh, the Spy Who Loved Me was the other caveat. Uh, Fleming hated it so much he wouldn't let them use the story. They could only use the title. Oh, and okay. so the story of The Spy Who Loved Me has never been made, but the, the, they Just used the title. the title. And Casino Royale, the movie, is a weird one. It's got David Niven in it, hasn't it? It's a yeah. strange comedy thing that just doesn't really work. No, it's and an awful awful Eventually, they managed to get the rights back to that title and use it for... Uh, yeah, you know the newer Bond, and then yes, you mentioned there that that Connery in the early eighties remade Thunderball as Never Say Never Again, and it, and it is a direct remake. I think it was in the seventies, wasn't it? Oh, am I getting it yeah. wrong? Was it early eighties? Early eight, eighty wow. three. Gosh, I've totally Which lost the Which was the, the same year that, that Octopussy that. came out, yeah, and they released them at a very similar time, yeah. And Never Say Never Again was a was almost a flop. It, right. it didn't do very well at all. Octopussy stratospheric in the in the, wow. the money it made. But but and I must admit, I'm not a massive fan of Octopus. He's all right in parts, but he's not one of the better ones. He's kind of too old by then. And I think he? with Connery, probably he made the mistake of showing the old clapped out Bond thing. That was the idea that he's coming out of retirement and he's well. Also, there was so much. Little... There was so much that they they couldn't use in the movie. It didn't really feel like a Bond movie because yeah, the they didn't have the rights to any. So they <clears> had <throat> some of the characters were in it. Right. So all the characters from the book were in it, but they couldn't use the Bond theme. Ah. They couldn't use Q because Q wasn't a character from that book Q was in one book but not that one huh. and then they made Q a bigger part that was in every film yep. uh, so there's so much that they couldn't do but 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 yeah the original Thunderball and also did you know who played the Bond girl who played Domino in Never Say Never Again oh I can't remember because she went on to be a huge star right go on Kim Bassinger ah she was I the Bond girl I remember that yeah, um, yeah. And, and she was very good in yeah, it yeah. In, in Never Say Never Again um, she, she really did well but uh yeah, but, the, but Thunderball, the film that you have chosen from 1965, was, I think, in the UK, it was the second biggest film of the year when it, when it, uh, that year it came out, behind The Sound of Music. Uh-huh. I th- for a second, I thought you were going to say that the 60s Britain was such that it would be behind on the buses or something, or <laughs> no, carry on camping. Or- <laughs> I believe that in 1971, when Diamonds Are Forever came out, it, it, it came second in the box office that year behind on the buses oh, right. in the UK. <laughs> So maybe that's where I got that it from. So, that you, yeah. Perhaps you told me years ago that On that the was the case. was such a big um, oh, financial success as a movie in the wow. UK that, that it's you know they, they very quickly made two sequels to it. it. It's probably because they changed the script so that the bus drivers had to foil a plot to blow up London or something. And, uh, you know, oh, dear. 
and, and that's the hilarious. Other, the other the other rumor about this film is that um, the guy who played Sean uh, played Felix Leiter was so good that and Connery felt very threatened by this that they cut most of his scenes out. Oh my and, goodness! And, and uh, <clears throat> Felix Leiter is is very minimal in this movie. He he appears very briefly several times in the movie, but apparently originally he had a a larger part. But they felt he was. It was almost like he was, he was too charismatic. He was doing the Alan Rickman diehard. <laughs> you know, he was stealing decided the scenes. to steal the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, anyway, uh, that that's sorry, Thunderbolt. You, you you wandered into James Bond. Do you, you? Yeah, we do could be here all day, couldn't we? we the two pebble. of us. We would. We may yeah. as well go to the pub and carry on talking about it <laughs> afterwards. Anyway, yeah. Thunderball, eight p.m. on ITV Four on uh, Monday, the sixth of November. The first part of. Uh, your Sean Connery double yes, bill on my Monday. Sean Connery double bill. Uh, the second one is Outland, which oh. uh, I haven't seen in donkey's years, so forgive me if it doesn't stand the test of time. But it's a 1981 sci-fi film, and it's a bit like uh, it's got a bit of an Alien and Blade Runner vibe to it. Stylistically, it, it looks yes. like that, doesn't it? And it's often compared to High Noon, so it's basically a space western. Well, I'd heard that it was a remake of High Noon. Oh well, that but, it was uh, yeah. High Noon in space. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's been certainly been described that way, and I don't know whether the writer and director. You know, Peter Hyams, who did both, so we're not excluding the writer for once. Um, it, whether he deliberately set out to remake High Noon, but he did. What he did want to write, apparently, was a Western. And people told him, don't do a Western. They're all, you know, they're just dying. Nobody's bothering Westerns anymore. So he then latterly realised that uh, actually people are making Westerns, they're just setting them in space. Yeah. So he decided to make a space Western. So Connery plays the Marshal, effectively. Um, Peter Boyle's in there as well, who I always think of as young Frankenstein. You know, he's in yes. that. Uh, Francis Sternhagen, yes, a fella. <laughs> so I can never, never quite not see Frankenstein's monster when I see him in things. But anyway, uh, the movie's set on Jupiter's moon, low, as in hello, uh, and um, it uh, follows the new marshal who starts work at a mining facility. So it's miners again; they're getting mentioned a couple of times today, um, and he discovers a secret which is involving drugs that keep the miners going, but they become homicidal and suicidal and he has to track down the the dirty deeds that uh, are being done to keep these miners mining and of course then ultimately people want to stop him so he has to take a stand so yeah from memory it was good i mean i may look at it with a more critical eye uh, now but and the special effects will obviously be a little bit ropey compared to the present day but if you can swallow that then if you want something that looks a bit blade runnery looks a bit alien um as in yeah, the movie it, Alien yes because those sorts of things especially Alien I, I, get, I think is a good comparison because it was very much an industrial space yes, future and kind this of claustrophobic feels, and yeah. a bit dark and this not feels the neon lights and the you know lots of sci-fi movies they're always shirts with no collars and they look like they're, they're always wearing monochrome sort of suits and the lights are very bright and the corridors are all shiny yeah this is the opposite this is grubby and, and also dark and often would have technology that is beyond our wildest dreams whereas a lot of this stuff and Alien as well you know they, they had like the, the spaceships had, had tv screens and and proper old school keyboards that yes. they typed on it's to, quite to funny when you watch alien now because it, it looked high tech at the time and now it looks very very low yeah. tech because their computers just do lines of code don't they and uh, you know the odd word but nothing like uh, you know not even as fancy as facebook no no but, 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 but this this has this very much this this grimy view of an industrial future where perhaps yeah, it's the future, but it's it's quite run down. It's like you know where they're working, where they're you know yeah. this this station. They're on the fringes and they're yeah. doing it on a budget. Yeah, and they're mining, <clears throat> so it's a mining town, but it's on a moon. 
So yeah, it was good. It was a good movie from memory. So hopefully it stands the test of time. Yeah, and and it check it out. It was the sort of movie as well that there was there were a few of these types of things back in the late seventies. Um, you had Capricorn One, you oh, had yeah. Silent Running, yeah, Logan's Run. Silent they all running, had a yeah. sort of a similar feel, and an Alien, yeah. of course, where where perhaps the future and yeah, sci-fi wasn't quite as shiny and and yeah, and dis- slightly dystopian views yeah, on things yeah, like not, Logan's not, Run you mentioned. Yeah, 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 as opposed to like Star Trek, which is very utopian. Yeah. You know, th- th- this was a different feel to it. This is very darker, yeah. yeah, gritty and and what have you. But anyway, uh, if you've not seen it, do look it out. This is almost a film that's too good to be forgotten. I don't think it it's, is a bit. Yeah, it, it's that <clears> well known. It's not one. It's not a film that people often jump to when they're talking about no, Sean Connery. And they don't, they, yeah, it's exactly. They don't list it as one of his careers or anything. And I just thought it was quite good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, That's Outland, 12.40 a.m. Uh, so technically into the wee small hours of, of Tuesday. But, but it's, we're listing it as a Monday film. Uh, and that's, uh, yeah, on five action. So let's move to Tuesday, the 7th of November. And 10.40 p.m. Sorry, I'm only chuckling because then your next movie is only on five minutes later. So there's no yes, way it's so weird, isn't you it? can yeah. watch both. But you I might mean, better record one. I, I guess some sort of technology might be required to, oh, yes. to record. But yes, you're right. They are five minutes <sighs> apart, which is weird yeah. because I'd struggled to find good movies this week. And it's also interesting that once again, you are um, ignoring and overlooking the author in this next one. Yeah. Because you've, tr- you've chopped his name from the title yeah. because I believe the full title of this I movie know, I know. On, 10, uh, on at 10.40pm on BBC One yeah. on Tuesday the 7th is William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. And you've just called which it is Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. Juliet. Which, if you look at the first line of my notes, I was going to give that upcoming author no, you, you, a shout-out. You were going to I really was. You you know. Like you've been doing all show. Because, you know, he needs the exposure. I mean, not many people have heard of William Shakespeare or indeed Romeo and Juliet. Um, well, although it was a, co-written, wasn't it? It was William Shakespeare and Baz Luhrmann, according to your notes. Yes. <laughs> yes, I suppose it is, yeah. Yeah, I copied that, as you probably gathered. I That's imagine that they were yeah. sat in a room together, you yes. know, bouncing oh, ideas off each other. What light from, yeah, what light from yonder window? Yeah, yeah, that'll do, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the East and Juliet, yeah. yeah. Well done, Baz, yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, well, I suppose, yeah, technically, I don't think he made up any dialogue, but he wrote it. So, Baz, the story behind this, if people don't know, is a very modern-day look to it. And the reason I gave it a shout-out was because, A, it's good, and B, it got a lot of youngish people to go and see Romeo and Juliet in 1996, which is not a bad thing. Didn't it just? It had Claire Danes in it as well, with Leonardo DiCaprio. They're they're really well cast as the the lovers in this, the two teenagers who fall in love. Um, you've also got backup from Brian Dennehy, John Leguizamo, Maria Margolis and Pete Postlethwaite, uh, Paul Savino. Uh, it's a cracking cast. And they, they they set it in a kind of modern day, I think it's, it's Miami Beach, I can't remember, I remember. Yes, it was but something like that, wasn't they it? Ha- and they have a sabre, but they're not swords. The sabres are guns. The yes, the written of, on they had them. a very stylised gun, didn't they? With, yeah. with a blade bit underneath it, and it was so called... Uh, and yes, it had it's the name like on gangs, it. It's like gangs, there could be the Crips and yeah. the Hoods, so it's very clever. Yeah. Uh, and it's Baz Luhrmann... I mean, everything Baz Luhrmann does is kind of overblown. It's not as overblown as some Baz Luhrmann stuff, so it does still And it's still something work. that's quite a trope of his as well, which is using contemporary music. Um, yes. Despite what, regardless of the setting. Yeah. You know, um, Great Gatsby, which had Jay-Z on the soundtrack, you know. And, oh, and, yeah. And, and, yeah, with this, and, and uh, there was, oh, what was the song called? There was a very famous song that came out of this movie. Um, was it, um, oh, it, it was The Cardigans. Um is it called Love Me? 
I, I will um, look it up, but, but yes, it had it. Say that you love me, that yeah, one. Yeah, 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 that yeah, one. Yeah. I can't think of what it was, yeah. if that's its actual name now. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, that is the chorus. Yeah, so yeah. if that's in it, then you're bang on. And I'm the music person, I'm supposed I to know, know these I'm things. I'm terrible, I'm, I'm really I forget sorry. things. No worries, but yeah, but while, you, while you're looking it up then, yeah, so I just think anything that attracted younger people to go and see this, because a lot of young people get into Shakespeare or, or lose get, uh, the interest in Shakespeare very early on when their teachers make them pick up a book and read parts in a classroom which i think is the worst possible way to do it because shakespeare is not meant to be read it's meant to be performed the song was called love fall ah but right. it was the, the the lyrics were right but it was called love fall by the cardigans yeah and, yeah and the soundtrack included a uh, garbage who were big back then oh yeah um desiree uh the, yeah the cardigans kim mazell and radiohead amongst others oh and and the wanna dies um, so yeah, quite quite a very grungy indie. Yeah, um, just as Shakespeare intended it to be, grungy <laughs> yeah. and indie. And <laughs> yes, yes, and oh, man. and it won like yeah. the MTV Movie Awards because know, that was the was know, a good adaptation. It was yeah. good. It was very very and um, and, and way to go making able. a movie that that was aimed at younger yeah. people. And, and by the way, you would have thought that if you heard Baslam was going to make Romeo and Juliet, you would have figured he would have changed all the dialogue, but he doesn't, much, no. as, much as he gets writing credit. But I think the writing credit comes from the setup of the way it's, you know, the scenes, basically, the way they're staged. Uh, but he does uh, avoid the, the idea of making it more accessible by um, changing the dialogue completely and just making it a story about Romeo and Juliet, but without the Shakespearean dialogue. So fair play to him for that. <laughs> they, and apparently one of the things he did in it was they they made use of a FedEx-style overnight delivery service, which they called Post Haste. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it was, it was all the original dialogue. He didn't change yeah, any of it. there you go. <clears throat> Wonderful yeah. stuff. That's, uh, that's William Shakespeare. Oh, my voice is going. Yeah, William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, <clears throat> BBC One at 10.40pm. Thank you. Uh, and yeah, well done for finally mentioning the author as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, he needs it. He needs a shout out. Okay. <laughs> now, five minutes later, over on ITV One. So it's also on the big channels as well. It's yeah. Two movies for I Tuesday know, night. Weird, we have a um, very different movie, <clears throat> uh, The Road yeah. to Perdition. Yeah, this is a Sam Mendes movie. So it was uh, one of his earlier ones um, when he was still establishing his rep. And uh, it's um, it's based on a graphic novel, oddly. But it's got an interesting cast. So Tom Hanks in the lead as a kind of mob enforcer against type, I would suggest. Yes. Um, Jude Law's in it, Jennifer Jason Lee, Stanley Tucci, and memorably Daniel Craig as the main gangster's not very pleasant son. And the main gangster is Paul Newman in his final feature film role after a glittering career. Now, so, can I ask you a question about yeah. Daniel Craig? Yes. Because... I'm gonna like total like hand on my heart here, being completely honest. When he was announced as Bond, yeah, I wasn't familiar with him. I had to go and look him up, yeah, and I was surprised at how many things of his that I had actually seen, yeah, no, and including Road to Perdition. So, do you recall if when when you heard that he was going to be Bond, did you go, oh yeah, because he was great in Road to Perdition, or, or no, like well, me, I were did. you thinking, oh, which one was no, he? No, because I was already a massive fan, but for one reason alone. Our friends, friends in, in the North, North when he plays Geordie. Yeah. So all those guys in that, I mean, the four main cast members went on a great thing. So you've got one becomes James Bond, Daniel Craig. One becomes Doctor Who, Christopher Eccleston. And one becomes virtually every Hollywood villain for about 10 years, Mark Strong. He's in loads of movies and he plays Tosca. And every five years I've got to dust off our friends in the North and watch it again because I love it. And Gina McKee also went on to a glittering career, not, not in a 
she played a particular role. She played lots of different roles. Yeah, yeah. So giving her a shout out as well. All four of them were terrific. The supporting cast members of Our Friends in the North kept popping up in things all the time. Um, so you know, because of that, you were already... Yeah, very familiar with him because I'd at least seen it at least twice. Yeah. And so I was always looking out for movies he was in. Yeah. And, um, you know, he did a... He did a um, Oh, what one? Uh, I'm trying to think of the again. I forgot the author's name. Ian McEwan. It's come back to me. He did an Ian McEwan adaptation um, before Bond, and he did a th- coincidentally a movie that I watched last night, uh, which I'd never seen before, and I kept meaning to. The Trench. Have you seen that? No. The Trench is a World War One movie about the eve of the Battle of the Somme in 1916, and it's got Ben Whishaw in it. It's got Gillian Murphy in it. Uh, Julian Rin Tut's in it. Daniel Craig plays the already quite mature sergeant in that. So he's not one of the young lads. Danny Dyer's in it, would you believe, in a little cameo. Uh, there's, there's half a dozen well-known people in there. Actually, I've got a feeling I might have seen it now yeah. you've mentioned Pretty it. Pretty good. Yeah. Low-budget, claustrophobic, in okay. a trench. Yeah. But a good movie. Now, Sam Mendes, uh, oh, the, yeah. the, the director American of... American beauty uh, chap. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so yeah, so, so Road to Perdition was his second movie. Hmm. And his first movie was American, American beauty, beauty that he won an Oscar for as yeah. best director. Incredible, isn't it? He was a theatre director prior to that. Well, I was going to say, that perhaps <clears throat> yeah. put him at a slight advantage over yes. other debut directors. Um, because it, on the face of it, you think, my word, his first movie, and, yeah, and he, he strikes gold. And do you know what's strange about it is that American Beauty is one of those movies I really liked at the time. It hasn't stood the test of time very well because attitudes have changed completely about the behaviour of, well, oddly enough, Kevin Spacey as a man, but also his character in it, lurching after his daughter's, I think she's 17, mm. friend, yeah. and, you know, this Lolita a- angle to it. and So it doesn't really get uh, mentioned anymore or really often... It's a of, little... It's, I guess it's also... It's probably way too close to home because not only is it that it's a Kevin Spacey movie, and I think some people are steering clear of oh, some yeah. of his earlier work, <clears throat> some of his other work, wh- where they can, yeah. but also because the subject matter, yeah, yeah subject hasn't matter necessarily to the it, test yeah. of time, thanks to the real-life Kevin Spacey, who's gone partly, some way to help. Partly that, I think. I mean, certainly that's made it even more predominantly sketchy. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate him. The character's behaviour is Perhaps I weird. should throw this in for a legal reason, but he's been cleared of everything oh, yeah, he's yeah. been accused yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. But because of the, <clears throat> the, 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 the sort of the news surrounding him and how he's well, been portrayed in the media... He has apologised for stuff that he did do that perhaps might not be 100% illegal, but that wasn't right. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. he's clearly, yeah, he's problematic, shall we say. And, well, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because of that. Yes. Um, that's, that's just, yeah. Okay. At the very least, say that. Yeah. But um, yeah. Um, but what I mean, what what a list of movies though that yeah, that, that Sam Mendes films as well. Yeah, yeah. So he did Road to Perdition. <coughs> he then did Jarhead, which was quite critically good, acclaimed. Yeah. Revolutionary Road with DiCaprio oh, and yes. Winslet, which was very Again, good. Yeah. yeah. Skyfall, Spectre. Um, the whatever happened to those two movies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too good to be forgotten, weren't they? <laughs> well, one of them was. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm not so sure about. I the still other. like them both, actually. But um, do you know yeah. what? For for being the massive Bond fan that I am, yeah, I've only ever seen Spectre once. Right. Saw it in the cinema. Okay. And I never saw it again. And I've got it at home on Blu-ray, and I keep thinking Ooh. I should probably watch it again. But I you did. probably find it's better than you think. Actually. Yeah, you know. I mean, I, I didn't like, like a- Quantum of Solace much, the one that you mentioned earlier. 
which was probably the only blot on that guy's CV that we said had done a whole load of different well, stuff. It was all right, see, but it wasn't very good. I would maintain good. that it was a good film, yeah? but I think that it followed in the wake really, of, really a, good of a wonderful yeah, Bond movie. John Casino Royale was amazing. And, and it couldn't live yeah. up to that. I think no. I think if it was just a movie about a spy and it was you know like a standalone thing, yeah. I think it would have been viewed as, oh, you know what, that's quite good. Yeah, I don't think it was a bad movie. I just don't think, as you rightly point out, it doesn't live up to the others, really. So, so of the Daniel Craig movies, I always think that was the weakest. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, well, they did five, so, you know, yeah. pretty well, the, good body of work. The, the jury's out on whether or not No Time to Die was that strong a movie. You know? oh, I really like that. I thought it was very, very good. But you're right, some people don't no, like it. it but, I, I mean, I'm know, with you. I, I loved I, it. I think it was quite good. I don't really think that Daniel Craig made a, a bad Bond. I don't really mm. think there's such a thing as a bad Bond film. No, not bad. Not a bad no. one. No, you're right. You're I mean, right. there are a couple that Roger Moore did where he was really a bit old oh, and a bit long in the tooth, and he probably should have quit. is the one I always thought think of with him as his weakest. Yeah. Oh, in fact, I think the one after it was worse. I think A View to a Kill was, was oh, very good. Oh, did you? Weak. Right, yeah. But, uh, mm. but yeah, I think, I think his best, in terms of his performance, I thought his best one was Few Eyes Only, and he should have stopped there. Yeah. Um, you know, way more down to earth, a lot more, you know, rather than like the, the exploits of Moonraker, which, which was just silly. Yeah, um, that was a bit daft. I mean, I think I liked it as a child, but looking back at it as an adult, you just say this is a bit silly. Well, it, right? was, yeah. it was huge. It's one of the biggest um, Bond films of all time. The, the one before it, The Spy Who Loved Me, was the 10th that one. That was good. And made yeah. more money than the first nine put together. Wow. And then Moonraker made more money than. But you're the right. The Fiora well, on it was very, very good. Yeah, um, it was gritty and it was more. It was more like literally down to earth. Yeah, it was. It was. wasn't yeah. wasn't so much spoof and nonsense. Yeah, and the humour was not quite as. It's some, at one point, it looked like the humour was. It was turning into a comedy, and yeah, it was almost becoming a spoof of itself, wasn't yes, it? Yes, exactly. That's well put. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, so. Um, the uh, film Road to Perdition with as you said they're wonderful performances from a, from a fantastic cast yeah. uh, based on a graphic novel believe it or not I did not realise that until yes. I did the research again because I remember watching it not realising I thought it was just an original script but yeah. uh, it follows a, a mob boss Paul Newman and, and his weirward son and they turn on Tom Hanks for reasons that, uh, that, that Daniel Craig's character is dodgy and he does stuff that Tom Hanks witnesses and he has to go on the run with his son so it's a, yeah, it's well worth a well in my case well worth a second look I think and an interesting performance for Tom Hanks because he's playing it slightly against type yeah he really is he, he <clears throat> is he's he is the anti-hero isn't he because he's not really a good guy but he's the one you're rooting for yes because yeah. there is something <clears throat> he's the best of a bad bunch but yeah. he is a hitman basically yeah <clears throat> yeah um, and Jude Law is just menacing and scary in this isn't he yeah he is he's yeah. quite psychotic uh, but anyway that's Road to Perdition ITV1 10.45pm on uh, Tuesday the 7th of November and uh, we're talking about Sam Mendes there we we both very neatly sidestepped one of his movies that he did as we were going through the stuff he's done because it's the one on Wednesday. Yes. And it's uh, from 2019. It is 1917. Yes. On at 22.40 on BBC One. Yes, Keeping uh, up with all the numbers there. Indeed, yes. That's a lot of numbers to confuse, uh, to confuse our listener. Um, but yeah, this is a cracking movie. Uh, not that old. It's on free, free to view. I don't know if it's for the first time, but it's, quite, it's only four years old. So um, good to get it for free. Uh, produced and directed by Sam Mendes. Um, partially inspired by stories told him by his paternal grandfather, Alfred about his service during the war during the war so um yeah <laughs> and he's called alfred <laughs> yeah not albert but yeah <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, no, was it uncle albert i can't yes, really remember was. yeah it was but um but it talks about t- two british soldiers who uh not huge names i mean they've been in things george Mackay and dean charles chapman um will, will schofield and tom blake um 
in their mission to deliver an important message to call off a doomed offensive attack. And the supporting cast is big names. It's Mark Strong, Andrew Scott, Richard Madden, Colin Firth and Benedict Cumberbatch. They all appear. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a wonderful movie. And, and the it way is. it is shot as well, where, where it is all in one take... Yes. It is not. They, yeah, they no, do use all sorts of trickery to it. <clears throat> they do, but it certainly appears that way, yeah. Well, the, and the way, the way that you're watching it, you, you are following those, um, the, those two lads through 90-odd minutes of their life in World yeah. War I. You, you know it's been faked because it goes overnight and then in the following morning, but, yeah. but, but no, no cut. So, you know, it's a very quick night time. Uh, was one of the things that that stood out for me, but uh, it is a it's a cracking film, and and it it doesn't have to show you something of the quite how horrible war is. It is, and it, I mean, I pay a compliment in the sense that it was quite a tough watch, and I'm not sure I do want to watch it for a second time, particularly as I know everything that happens, and I can still remember everything that happens. Yeah. But the, I, I remember going to the cinema to see it and thinking, "Whoa, that was good." And it was very uh, highly lauded critically. Yeah. So yeah, it's well worth a watch. Yes, yeah, so if you've not seen it before, it is definitely worth watching. But I quite agree. I, I'm not sure I'd want to go through it another time. Mm. Uh, but th- that's nothing to say that the movie's not. It's paid a compliment in a sense because it really did affect me watching yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, that's 1917. That's on at 10:40 p.m. on BBC One Wednesday, the 8th of November. That concludes another edition of the Film Guy. Which of those movies would be your film of the week? I'm going to go for Thunderball because I haven't seen it in ages and I think that's the one I'd most like to watch again. Okay. So, I'd already chosen uh, the, the 1917 because I thought well, it would be a, the war movie because that's what you do. Ah, well, you and know, I like to surprise you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. Every yeah. now and again, drop a grenade in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Howard Linsky uh, acclaimed, highly acclaimed, sorry, highly acclaimed. Oh, yeah, that author. is contractually agreed of, that you have to say highly. Of note. Yeah, uh, yeah his books are available. <laughs> go into the, go into the, the what's the it works. called? The works. <laughs> look, at, look in the bargain <laughs> bin, you'll find him there. I've got my very very unbargained been yeah. in St Albans works obviously six, all nine. 6 to 99p I think it is uh, but, but do go and buy his books some of them are quite good yeah otherwise I won't come back next month no. <laughs> alright Howard uh, thanks very much thanks, catch mate. you again soon